2 Corinthians 13. We're talking about authentic faith. We're on the, the final chapter of 2 Corinthians. I just mentioned how we're going to Nepal to talk about expositional preaching. Uh, Paul Miller's leading the trip and, and uh, he'll be teaching with us. And he preached for, us, for, for me uh, last week. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but we're preaching through 2 Corinthians. We've been going through it for, I don't know, since how long? Beginning of the year, I think it was. But January. And we're finally on the last chapter. Uh, we're not going to do the entire chapter today. We're going to go through verses 1 through 10. And really the calling here is to examine yourselves. To see if your faith is genuine. To examine yourselves. The whole book has been about authentic faith. Sincere faith. Well, here is this final calling to these Corinthians to look at themselves, to test themselves, to examine to see whether they are indeed the real deal. Now, some of you guys, I'm going to guess, you don't like tests. You know, I meet people who just, they don't like tests. Uh, you don't test well. Maybe you, you still have nightmares about taking your SATs, right? Oh, man, that long, multiple-hour test, or your GREs, or maybe your driver's license test, you know? Like, oh, man, how... How anxious I was to take the driver's license test. I remember I, I passed the first time I did it, but just barely. Just barely. I went through a yellow light. I didn't know where the emergency brake was at the time because it was, you know, in a different place than in my own car. And, uh, but the guy kind of scolded me about it and said, but I'm going to pass you anyways. I barely got my license at, at 16 there. Tests. People don't like tests. Uh, going through, a, my uh, kids and I are doing a martial arts. I mentioned that. We have our first belt testing. So hopefully I'll pass, I'll become a yellow belt. Just, just, just starting off here, from a white belt to a yellow belt coming up here. But really, friends, good tests, really good teachers who give good tests, the good tests are not meant to trick you. <laughs> They're not meant to make you stumble. A good test is meant to reveal where you are, to reveal where you're at. That's what a good test is supposed to do, to make sure you know what you're, supposed, you're just supposed to know at this point in time, that you've actually paid attention, you've done what... You, I've been brought to the point where you're at right now, and a test reveals to you that you are where you're at. This calling here to examine our faith, to test our faith, it's not meant to make us stumble. It's meant to reveal whether we really know Jesus or not. Are you the real deal? Are you sincere? Are you genuine in your faith? Look with me. Second Corinthians 13, 1 through 10. We read this. This is, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warn those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you'll find out that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, 
I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Calling here to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. There's an outline in your bulletin. If you like outlines, you like to take notes, we'll have the scripture on the screen. There's Bibles in the pews there as well. But first we see in verses 1 through 4 that tough love challenges inauthentic faith. Tough love challenges inauthentic faith. Then 5 through 6, examine your faith and look for fruit. Examine yourself, your own faith. And then third, from verse 7 to 10, work hard that others might pass the test. Work hard for others to pass that. So first, he says, tough love here challenges on inauthentic faith. Verses 1 through 4. Look with me there. He said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. So the first time Paul went there was to preach the gospel. He went there as a missionary with his missionary buddies. They went there and told them about Jesus for the first time in eternity. First time that the city of Corinth ever heard about Jesus. Paul went there and he talked to them and he spent some time with them. That was, that was the first time. The second time he went there, went there was under not so great circumstances. There was a lot of division, a lot of rebellion, a lot of sexual immorality, a lot of sin happening there, and it was not a very pleasant visit. It was a visit more of rebuke and of correction. Then Paul leaves, and now he's visiting for this third time, and he's just got reports that things are not much better. Uh, You may remember those who were with us for this whole series, chapters 1 through 9 went wonderful, went swimmingly. (laughs) The the situation seemed to be pretty good there in Corinth. And then in uh, chapters 10 to 13, something changed. What was that? Probably that he got a report that these false teachers have come into the church, they've convinced the people that Paul's a bad guy after all, and that their faith is now on jeopardy. So Paul's saying, here I go, I'm going for the third time. And if I go there and I find that the situation is still just a spiritual mess, then I'm going to have to come with some tough love. I'm going to have to come harshly. In fact, he quotes here, he refers here to the Torah, which talks about a judicial judgment on someone. You establish a judgment by two or three witnesses. Uh, in, in a court of law. And he's saying, look, I've been there twice and this is now the third time. Three times I've witnessed your rebellion. If that is the case, it's not going to be good. I'm coming and I'll have to come with a, a sense of harshness. Now They think that Paul is weak. Paul has said, I am weak. I, I willingly admit that. I boast about my weaknesses, as he says. But because I am weak, God's strength works in me. And so he says the same is true of Christ. When Christ came, he didn't come in, in worldly strength and power. He didn't come with an army. He came, as he says here, crucified in weakness, verse 4. But lives now in the resurrection by the power of God. So also we, we missionaries are weak, yes. But we live by the power of God. There's a warning here. It may need to be some tough love as I come to you. And friends, we know that. That, that tough love is not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, tough love is sometimes what's needed. Every good parent knows this, right? I mean, you can't just give your kids whatever they want all the time (laughs) when they're disobedient have no consequences to it. That's not real love. Every good parent knows there's there's a time to say, you need a time out, right? (laughs) Or you're grounded. You're not allowed to go hang out with your friends for a couple weeks or or even spankings. And I I have no problem with spankings. I got spankings growing up. I probably got too few spankings, quite honest. I could have used a few more spankings, I think. Uh, So spankings with young kids, as long as, obviously, you don't do it in anger, you don't do it abusively. Uh, There are times for tough love. And that's what Paul is saying. I'm going to have to come there with some tough love. Now, what would that look like? What would that mean for Paul? Uh, Obviously, he's not going to spank anybody, okay? Just so you know. He's going to go there with a rebuke, as he says here. It may mean some harsh words, some harsh judgment. It may mean that he's going to have to make some serious changes there in Corinth. Remove some of the elders and put in some new ones or change the structure or whatever. 
It may mean, it likely means he'll be kicking some people out of the church, excommunicating them, removing them from membership. And again, Paul is not doing this because he's angry and he just can't control his anger and he's just flaring up against them. Uh, That's not the point. It's not done out of vengeance. Yes, he is angry, but his anger is only motivated him to do what? To help them. That's what he's ultimately trying to do. Sometimes tough love is called for as a a wake-up call. Help them recognize the state that they're in. That their, their soul is in jeopardy. Their, their faith, is it really sincere or not? There's a, there's, it's under question. And Paul's saying, if I go there, I go there to help with some tough love. Now, really, when you think about it, friends, uh, being willing to show tough love is a test of your love. It's easy to love people and never have to show tough love. And just love and be loved. Who doesn't want that, right? That's, that's easy. Whether you really know somebody really love somebody is shown in your willingness to at times show some tough love let me let our kids are here because kid town hasn't started let me let our kids in a little secret your parents don't like to punish you (laughs) they don't like it they don't take any joy in it they want to just be loved by you and the reason they do it is because they love you and they don't want to raise someone who doesn't understand consequences for their actions Are you willing to confront someone about sin? Are you willing to show tough love? That's a real test of your love and its depth. Friends, we as a church want to make sure that we're ready for tough love as Paul is here. We need to be clear about sin. Not compromising about it. Not making light about it. Not making, having an easy view of sin. But a serious understanding of sin and its consequences and what it's about. Which means at times being willing to confront people about sin. You know, it's, a, it's a spiritual war. A spiritual battle that we're in. Battles get messy. And it's not always polite and formal and nice. You've got to get down and dirty and deal with sin at times. It's not just something we just kind of put by the side. You know that adulterous relationship? It's really no big deal. Who cares about it? God doesn't really mind that. Your anger issue and you, you kind of flare up at people and, and say nasty things. Eh, don't worry about it. Nobody really cares. <laughs> no, sin is serious. We need to recognize that. But at the same time, in the same breath, let's say, let's be big on grace. Big on the gospel. And big on love. You see, some people will say, you can't do both. You can either be big on being tough about sin, or you can be big on love. But you can't be both. Actually, God is our example here, who is absolutely big on both. God is big on the seriousness of sin and its severity. That's why he talks about hell. Hell is a biblical idea. It's not something you know, I made up or preachers made up. Hell is a reality. It's separation from God. It's being away from his love, his mercy, his presence, or any meaningful sense of his presence with you. Only a sense of his justice. It's a reality. But God's love is even bigger and even greater. Great enough to give us his son. That's the type of church we want to be. Clear and serious about sin. But even more serious and even more joyful about love. I think of love. I think of uh, the great hymn there. uh, The love of God is greater still. Right? And that famous, I think it's the third verse. There when it talks about God's love in, in these extreme, outlandish ways. This is what it says here. Could we with ink the ocean fill 
And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, you know, a pen, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. God's love is so great that the skies couldn't write it if the ink, the ocean were made of ink and we, every human being were to write of his love for eternity. Yes, we're serious. We have tough love. But at the same time, we show the grace and the love of God. See, the reason why, friends, is that tough love brings out the sincerity of faith. It pushes us to be real. Are you for real? Are you a genuine believer in Christ? Or is this just a show for you? Tough love pushes people to make sure we're for real. I love this little story of, of tough love uh, from a, a pastor. He, uh, his, he, he was a teacher, a professor at a, a seminary, and decided that he felt like God was calling him to go be a pastor instead. So he asked his dad for his vi- advice, and his dad said to him, Absolutely not, John. You should not be a pastor. You do not have the gifts. You do not have the calling to be a pastor. You don't have the people skills. You're a book guy. You should not become a pastor. Some tough love there, I think. So John prayed, thought about it, and felt the conviction that I can't, I can't disobey God. So he went back to his dad and he said, Dad, I, I appreciate your advice, but I can't take it. I feel like God wants me to be a pastor. And his dad said, good, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> to make sure that you are so serious about that this nothing could turn you away. That this is a calling from God and no person, no human, is going to take you away from it. Sometimes, friends, tough love brings out sincere faith. Look at verses 5 and 6. We're called to examine our faith and look for fruit. To examine our own hearts and look to see if we are the real deal. He writes here, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Make sure you are real. You're genuine. You're authentic. Are you a phony? Are you a fake? Or are you the real deal? See, they've been testing Paul all through this letter. They've been putting him on, examining him to see whether he's the real deal as an apostle. But now he's saying, let's turn the tables. (laughs) Let's turn this around and see whether you guys are the real deal. Look to your own hearts and look to yourselves. Are you a genuine believer or not? What are they testing for? He says, to see whether Jesus Christ is in you. Uh, Do you really know him? Do you really have a relationship with him? If they pass the test, he says, then you'll... Not only does that mean that you do know him, but it also means you'll recognize that we've passed the test, that we haven't failed the test. If they really know the Lord, they'll know that these missionaries were the real deal as well. Friends, understand that this, as, a, as your pastor, this is my primary concern for you. Will you pass the test? If you examine your own heart, will it reveal genuine faith? Think about it. And friends, there are many folks who are baptized... They sit and warm a pew every Sunday. Maybe even sit in a Bible study. And they wouldn't know God if he walked up to them and said hi. <laughs> it's just like living in a sheep pen doesn't make you a sheep, right? If you walk on all fours and sleep in a, sleep pen, uh, in a sheep pen and wear wool, doesn't make you a sheep. <laughs> so sitting in a church does not make you a follower of Christ. Examine yourselves. Do you really know him? Do you really have a relationship with him? Or, if you had to be honest with yourself and God, are you a phony? Are you a con? Are you an actor? 
Now, Jesus spoke so harshly against hypocrites. You know, the word hypocritos just comes from the world of acting. It's somebody who plays a role and then goes home after that and they're done. A big thing nowadays is method acting, right? People, these actors really deeply get into their role. They try to become like the person that they're acting. Uh, the new uh, DC movie there, the guy that played the Joker, Jared Leto, he, he became like the Joker. He, he actually slept in a prison at night. He, he uh, visited insane asylums and interviewed people. I mean, he just took it to this extreme level. And people had to call him uh, by the Joker name, not by his actual name. He became the Joker for that time. But after he's done, he goes home. Life goes on. He comes back to who he really is. Is that you, friends? Are you a hypocrite? Are you one who just puts on a show. Maybe everybody else around you knows, that thinks that you're a believer, but you know the real, the reality. Test yourselves to see whether you are really in the faith. Are you the real deal? How do you test yourself? Uh, you, you can't take your faith and put it under a micro, microscope, right? I mean, there's, there's no way to look and see. There's no uh, multiple choice exam that you can take <laughs> to see whether you are a, a, a Christian. That's not how it works. How do we really know? Actually, the scripture does give us a test. This is in 1 John. gives us three ways to test ourselves to see whether you're the real deal or not. One is sound doctrine. First of all, do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the, the Father sent His Son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins as our substitute, that He's resurrected from the dead, that by faith in Him... We're redeemed, we receive the Holy Spirit, and our lives begin to change. Do you really believe that? That's the, that's the first test. It's just a simple doctrine test. You can, you can have all of, of, of uh, the right morality and have the wrong God, right? Right, right? moral guy, wrong God. Now think of Gandhi. Gandhi's a moral guy, just the wrong God, okay? So he doesn't pass the moral test here. Do you actually believe in God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is He your God? Do you know Him? Then the second test is one of obedience. Are you one who has submitted your life to Christ? Are you growing in holiness? Now understand, nobody's perfect. (laughs) There's no perfect people, not a single one. So the calling here is not for perfection, but has anything changed in your life in knowing God? Is your life now coming in submission to Him? You know, so many people say, I'm a Christian. I went down front in an altar call when I was 12 years old. Has your life changed since then? No, not really, but and I had that one event. Put no hope in that at all, friends. None whatsoever. Are you growing in holiness? Here's a quote from Scott Haferman, a commentator. He writes, For Paul, the reality of Christ Jesus being in you means that there is no cheap grace in the gospel, no easy believism in the biblical definition of faith, no repentant less forgiveness in the cross, no powerlessness in the spirit, and no absence of judgment in the future. But positively, those in whom Christ is present will pass the test. Those who claim Christ without the repentance and obedience, producing power of the spirit in their lives, will not. There will be a difference for those who follow Christ. There will be the beginning of sanctification. And third, this is from 1 John, do you love others? Do you love the brothers? Do you love people. For me, this is the hardest one. (laughs) Are you growing in your love for people? If there's no growth in your love, there's a reason to question whether you really know the Lord to begin with. As John says, if you can't love your brother whom you can see, 
how can you claim to love God when you can't see? Are you still just as selfish? Still in love with your stuff? Still putting all your hope in a tradition? Or are you beginning to really love people? Understand, these are, none of these are the cause of sincere faith. That's, they don't make you have a new nature. They're the fruit of sincere faith. In other words, if you are a genuine believer, you do know the Lord, you will see these things. But these things don't make you a Christian. It's kind of what Jesus said. By your fruit, you'll know them. How do you know? How do you recognize an apple tree? This is the easiest way to do it. Look for apples, right? If there are apples on the tree, you got yourself an apple tree. But having app, taking apples and tying them to a tree doesn't make it an apple tree, right? It's, 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 a, it's an apple tree because it produces, it's revealed to be an apple tree by the fact that it produces fruit. So a Christian is known by his actions, by his thoughts, by her words, by her motives, by her life. Friends, do you pass the test? When you look at yourself, are you a real deal or not? And look at verses 7 to 10. Work hard that others pass the test. It's not just about me and God looking at myself and making sure I know the Lord. Am I helping others know the Lord as well? 7 to 10, he says, but we pray to God that you may do no wrong. Notice he says, we start, he starts saying, we pray. And for Paul, that's not a, just a cliche. He doesn't just throw that out there. Oh, we pray. And, you know, we sometimes do that. I'll pray for you. And then we just forget about it and never actually do, right? <laughs> that's not Paul. He's saying, no, this is my real and genuine prayer for you. Because I recognize I can't do this. I can't produce genuine faith in you. Only God can do that. So my prayer for you is what? That you would not do wrong and that you would do right. Makes it very simple. <laughs> My prayer is, in other words, that you do right things and you don't do wrong things. In other words, that you'd pass the moral test and the love test. That your life would bear the fruit of a genuine believer. But notice what he says in verse 8. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. There's the doctrine test. It's not as if they're doing it just to earn something from salvation. They're doing it in line with the truth. They're living out their faith, their trust in Jesus. As he says here, I don't want to have to come with this tough love. I don't want to have to come with a severe use of my authority to you. I want to come. I want to celebrate. I want to enjoy your presence. Friends, this is what the local church is all about. We work hard for people's faith. This is why we preach the word. (laughs) This is why you guys hire a pastor and one of the duties and responsibilities you give him is to work hard in putting a sermon together every week so that faith would come from hearing. That your faith would be strengthened by the hearing of the word. That it would reveal true faith. That's why we gather in fellowship. You know, it's easy to, to be a phony Christian by yourself. Sit at home, watch some TV preacher, pretend to be a Christian. Nobody's there to actually challenge you or push you or test you. But when you come together in a community, others push you, they press you. Are you the real deal or not? And friends, this is certainly why we do missions and evangelism. So that others would hear the good news and others would pass the test. Others would truly know him here's the point friends maybe you're sitting here and some of you are saying I, I don't know honestly if I pass the test I don't know if I really truly know the Lord I've heard this from a number of folks uh, even in our church at times I hope I go to heaven I don't know for sure but I hope I get to go there friends if that's your situation yes you can pass the test understand first do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior And if you're saying, I'm not sure if I do, now is the time to do it. (laughs) Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait. There's no 
no time down the future to do it. Now is the time. It's just go to him in prayer. Ask him as Savior. Recognize your sin, your need of a Savior, and recognize him as that Savior who redeems us. And then follow him. Talk to him. Obey him. And look for the evidences of grace in your life as he begins to change you. As he begins to produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as he begins to produce a changed life. Here's the reality, friends. God will not turn away anyone who truly knows him. It's not a pop quiz that you face in heaven. There are no trick questions. There's no unfair questions. It's, it's not an unfair test. It's really the question of whether you really know him or not. I remember hearing the story about someone who took a, an essay test and uh, it was a, an ethics class. And at the end of the year, he had his final exam. And it was worth half of his grade. So if you pass this, he passes the class. If he fails this, he, he fails it. And the essay question was, what is courage? And the kid wrote two words. This is. And turned it in. <laughs> would you give him an A or would you give him an F? I don't know. I'd give him an A, I think, but uh, some people might give him an F there. I think it's pretty courageous. But this isn't that type of test. This isn't one that you have to worry about whether or not you're going to pass or not. Do you really know the Lord? And you know it. Friends, you know it in your heart. You know it in your mind. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do this or that in your name? And Jesus says, I never knew you. I had no relationship with you. You're unfamiliar to me in any type of relational way. Do you really know him or not? Friends, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Tough love challenges inauthentic faith. There's a calling at times for some tough love. To be serious about sin, to not be compromising, to recognize what it is. Examine your faith and look for fruit. Do you see the fruit of a person who really knows the Lord? And third, work hard that others might pass the test as well. Friends, here's the neat thing. We can be, we can have assurance. Assurance of our salvation. We can be certain of it. This was the big thing during the Reformation. Some said, that's blasphemy. How can you know for certain that you're going to be with the Lord in heaven and glory? And the Reformers said, we can know it because Jesus Christ is a fully sufficient and perfect sacrifice for us. We can know with certainty and have the freedom, the joy, the comfort of knowing that in life and in death I'm His. You might say, well, if that's the case, if we can be so certain, why do I need to test myself to see whether I really know Him? Because assurance comes through that very testing. You look at yourself like any good test, it reveals whether you're truly His or not. Hopefully, friends, as you look at your own heart, you look at your own life, you examine yourself, you come to the same conclusion that Paul did and that all those who belong to him would. That I'm his. I'm his. Not because of any great thing I've done, but because I have a Savior. Not because I've produced so much fruit, but I can see the evidence of that and the fruit of my life. I love people more than I once did. I belong to him. Friends, examine yourselves. And we as a church examine ourselves and make sure we are indeed authentic believers who really know him. Pray with me.
Well, our gracious Heavenly Father, I know it's hot and people are uncomfortable. But Lord, I pray your word would still come to us and would hear it by your Spirit's ministry. Father, perhaps there are some here who, who don't really know you. And that they recognize that their faith is not the real deal. Maybe they've been putting on a show for years. Coming to church for years. Pretending. <laughs> loving the traditions and loving the outward um, acting of being a Christian. But they really have no knowledge of you, have no relationship with you, and don't know you. I pray, Father, that they would examine themselves and see Jesus as he truly is, perfect, beautiful, saving, and redeeming, and that that relationship with him would begin today. Father, I pray for those here who do know you, who could examine themselves and see, yep, <laughs> I'm his, I belong to him, I've known him, I do know him. And that they'd be encouraged today, Lord, with an assurance, a confidence of knowing that we belong to you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.